Hi there, thanks for joining us today as we continue our series of messages from the Book of Acts. And you know, one of the things we wanted to focus on was uh, stories of the Kingdom of God breaking into the world in a life-changing way. And we're going to look at one of those stories today. It's the story of uh, a miracle that took place, what's uh, also referred to as a sign and a wonder. And it led to 2,000 people putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's my contention that God wants to uh, do signs and wonders through the church today. You know, through ordinary people like you and I, right? Even here in New England. Because, you know, uh, there are many people here who have uh, written off Christianity in the church and who are not uh, receptive to the message of the gospel, but whose hearts could be opened because of the unexplainable and the undeniable, because of signs and wonders that bear witness to the power of the risen Christ. Now, how do I know that? Well, it's because it's what we see uh, written here uh, in the book of Acts. You know, at the very beginning, uh, the author Luke, he states his purpose in writing this, uh, where he says, uh, in my former book, he says, which is the Gospel of Luke, he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And uh, the implication there is if Luke's gospel was about what Jesus began to do while he was here on earth, then the book of Acts is about the work that Jesus would continue to do. That having ascended to heaven to the right hand of the Father, the risen, enthroned Lord Jesus would continue his work on earth through his church and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been seeing um, in the book of Acts. And, and since part of what Jesus began to do, including healing the sick and performing signs and wonders, then it stands to reason that he would continue to do those same things through the church, which of course is what we see happening here in the book of Acts. And since uh, his work on earth will not be completed until he returns, then surely it also stands to reason that we can expect Jesus to continue to do those same works in our own day. Because, you know, there is nothing in here that suggests that he would stop doing that. The book of Acts is not finished yet. It's still being written, right? There are still signs and wonders to be done because there are still multitudes that need to hear the gospel and to have their hearts opened to the message of Jesus. So how will we see that happen? Let's please just turn once again to the book of Acts. Uh, last week I read from the end of chapter 2, where in verse 43 it says, uh, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, what does that actually mean? Uh, wonders and signs, signs and wonders. It's a phrase that's often used in the Bible. Um, and a wonder, you know, it speaks of something uh, unusual that gets people's attention. You know, it, it causes them to marvel. It, it creates this sense of awe and amazement. A sign speaks of its purpose. You see, it's pointing us to God. It's, it's evidence of his rule and reign. When Jesus did miracles, it was proof of who he was. He was the king of all creation. So when some people questioned Jesus' credentials, 
He says this in, in Matthew's gospel. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. Right? These miracles were signs of his kingdom. Evidence that the kingdom of heaven was breaking in upon our world. And in the book of Acts, you know, we see Jesus continuing to perform these signs and wonders through his church. But was it just through the apostles? You know, that's the impression you might get reading those first chapters. But actually, later on, we read that uh, there were some people who were appointed by the church to serve the poor widows. Right? They've been chosen because of their good reputation and because they were full of the Holy Spirit. And one of them was a man called Stephen. And in Acts 6 verse 8, it says this, it says, And Stephen, uh, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Another of them was a man called Philip, and he went down to Samaria, and he saw many people come to faith, because it says they were amazed at the signs and the miracles that he performed. And the point is, you see, neither of these men were apostles. They were just ordinary believers, right, like you and I, serving in their local church, but being used by the risen Jesus to do signs and wonders by the power of his spirit. All right? So, having established that Jesus wants to continue to do signs and wonders through his church, and that he could use you and I to do that, right? Let's now uh, see what we can learn from a specific example, because that's what Luke gives us next in Acts chapter 3. And so I'm just going to read the story there, and I'll give a little uh, commentary as we go along. All right? So starting in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, no doubt by his family and friends, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Right? Now, uh, this was a prime spot for begging. Uh, he would have sat there every day with his arm outstretched to, to receive alms, you know, a charitable donation given by the religious and the pious so that they could curry favour with God. And because they were on their way to prayer, right, they were, they were going to go and pray to God and they wanted their prayers to be answered, this beggar could expect uh, to make a reasonable living here at the temple gate. Um, and so it goes on to say, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, uh, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter says to him, I've got no silver or gold, but what, what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right? Peter and John, they weren't looking to curry favour with God. They'd already got it through Jesus Christ. And they were now looking to share it with this poor crippled man. And you know what? It's the same for us, right? We've all received from God uh, forgiveness, favor, grace, blessing. And we're called to share that with others. Let's read on, verse 7. It says, And Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his ankles and his feet were made strong. This is Luke speaking who was a doctor and 
was observing, recording this uh, miracle. And note here that, you know, Peter, he doesn't try, he doesn't leave this man to try and struggle to his feet. He kind of pulled him up. It's quite likely this man wouldn't have even bothered trying. I mean, why would he? He'd never walked in his life. But Peter, he reached out. He kind of took him by the hand and he pulled him up, at which point strength came into his ankles. I'll come back to that point at the end. Reading on, it says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God, right? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there, right? This was not like the Monty Python sketch where the healed man starts complaining because he's lost his livelihood. No, right? This man is ecstatic with joy. He is jumping and he's praising God. And in verse 9, it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man clung to Peter and John, no doubt still a little unsteady on his feet, it says, All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them at the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, he says, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? Right? No, we don't have power to do this, he says. Verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you, he says, killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And to this, he says, we are witnesses. So uh, Peter there, just like he did on the day of Pentecost, he takes the opportunity to preach to the gathered crowd who are very attentive because of this amazing miracle that had happened. And he makes much of Jesus, doesn't he? Uh, just like he did actually in Acts chapter 2. He calls him here uh, the servant of God, uh, the holy and righteous one, uh, the author of life. And he kind of nails them. He says, you know, you killed the author of life. You realize that's suicide, right? To put to death the one who gives life. But here's the good news. God raised him from the dead. And we witnessed it. And now you've seen the evidence for yourselves, he says. Because he goes on to say in verse 16, he says, and it's his name. It's by faith in his name, in the name of Jesus, that has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, he says, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouths of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, he says, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. In fact, long ago, their prophet Isaiah had foretold a day when God would come to save his people. 
when his kingdom would come to earth. And he says there in chapter 35, he says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And of course, that day will only fully be realized when Jesus returns to restore all things, as Peter told the crowd there. Uh, But miracles, like what happened to this crippled man, you see, they were like signposts. They were uh, announcing Jesus is alive, his kingdom is here, and one day it will be here in all of its fullness. So therefore, repent and turn to the Lord. Okay, so what can we learn from this story about signs and wonders? Um, There's two things I really want to ask, right? What and how. Uh, what is the purpose and how can we grow in this? All right, so first of all, what is the purpose of signs and wonders? As we've seen, it's a miraculous work. It's something that is uh, unexplainable that causes people to wonder and to ask questions like, how did this happen? And it's a sign that's meant to point people to the existence of God. But what we see uh, in this story is that it also requires an explanation. So uh, Peter says to this bewildered crowd, why are you staring at us as if by our power we did this? You know, no, this was Jesus. You see, the miracle, it raised questions that opened the door for Peter to share the good news of Jesus. The same thing happened actually on the day of Pentecost when the believers were all filled with the Spirit It began miraculously speaking in languages they'd never learned. Well, it caused wonder and amazement in the crowd. And it raised questions, you know, how could this be? And so Peter was able to preach to the crowd. And on both occasions, thousands of people came to believe and were added to the church. And it's a pattern that we see elsewhere here in the book of Acts. Like when uh, Philip went to Samaria. It was signs and wonders that he was doing that caused people to be amazed and opened the door for him to preach the gospel and to lead many to faith in Jesus. So signs and wonders have an evangelistic purpose. What we see in the book of Acts is that they were done primarily kind of in the street, in the marketplace, as opposed to in church meetings. That's not to say we shouldn't expect healing and uh, miracles to happen in church, right? I talked about that last week because uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that we should expect the Holy Spirit to give these gifts to uh, different ones of us whenever we gather. And I pray, I continue to pray, we'll see that happening more and more. You know, no one would ever want to miss a church meeting again. And uh, it certainly provides an opportunity to tell any unbelieving guests about Jesus. But surely what this story is telling us is that God wants to use us in the streets, right? On the way to work, in the shopping mall, um, you know, wherever people are. Because, you see, the vast majority majority of them, they're not going to be found in our church meetings, are they? And also, uh, you know, I suspect that many people aren't going to be interested in hearing our message. You know, you might have a a great message to share. You know, you've got the answer that people need. It's Jesus. The problem is that they're not asking the question. 
See, most people have already made up their minds about Christianity, about Christians, about the church in America today. They've already written it off. I mean, their, their hearts are closed. And so it needs something to open the door. Something unexplainable, undeniable, that raises questions that only the gospel can answer. And that might be a, a miraculous healing, or it might be God giving you knowledge about someone's situation that you couldn't possibly have known otherwise. It might be uh, someone's dream that God gives you the interpretation for, uh, or some miraculous provision or guidance that he gives in answer to your prayer. But that's what I believe the risen Christ is wanting to do through his church in these days, just as he did here in the book of Acts. Signs and wonders that will result in spiritual breakthrough. You know, over the last few years, there's been a lot of talk about um, uh, and implementing, actually, of church growth strategies, uh, proven tactics to grow your church. Uh, and it's sold a lot of books and it's filled a lot of conferences. Uh, but all of it seems to have been kind of blown out of the water by COVID-19. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, it's God shaking up his church and getting us praying and depending on the Holy Spirit again. You know, getting us back to the, the pattern of church growth that we see in here. Because after all, you know, it's the pattern that Jesus gave us. Remember, Luke said he was writing about what Jesus had begun to do and to teach. And the two go together. It's do and teach. It's miracle and message. It's demonstration and proclamation. Show and tell. It's not just trying to tell people about Jesus, it's showing them. It's demonstrating to them the reality of God's kingdom, that Jesus is alive. So how? How can we grow in these things? You know, how can, can any of us just walk up to a crippled person and say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk? Do we have that authority? Or is it that we perhaps need to grow in our faith? You know, how does it work? Now, Actually, this is quite a big subject, but I just want us to focus on this story, okay? What is this story telling us? And the first thing I want you to notice here is that we're told this lame man was laid daily at the temple gate. Every day he was there begging. And we're told that uh, Peter and John were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. And we know this wasn't their first time to the temple. It's likely that they went to pray daily. So it's also likely they would have passed by this lame man many times. So it raises a question. Why then would they not have healed him before? I mean, he would have been there, his arm outstretched. Why didn't they heal him before now? And if they had the power to heal people, why not walk around Jerusalem healing everyone they saw, right? Why was it this man on this day? And I think we find the clues in what Peter says to the crowd. So in verse 12, for example, he says, Why are you staring at us as if by our own power we made this man walk? Clearly it wasn't a power that they had, had themselves, that they possessed or had control over. So where did the power come from to heal this man? Well, he tells us in verse 16, where he says, And his name, it's his name, Jesus by faith in his name that's made this man strong, whom you see and know. 
So it was faith in the name of Jesus that healed the man. The name of Jesus stands for the reality of who he is. All that Peter's been saying here about him, a servant of God, a holy and righteous one, the author of life who's been risen from the dead. It's faith in this Jesus, he says, that healed the man. So who had the faith? It wasn't the lame man, was it? I mean, he wasn't expecting to be healed. He was hoping for some money, right? Sometimes people ask us for prayer. And often uh, they're exercising faith in coming and asking. And so, of course, we should pray for them, right? Jesus healed everyone who came to him, everyone. But this lame man was not asking to be healed. He wasn't expecting to be healed. He wasn't exercising faith. It was Peter's faith in Jesus that healed this man. So again, you know, why didn't he heal him before now? And I think the answer is found in the second half of verse 16, where Peter gives us more detail as to how this works, where he says this, he says, it's the faith that is through Jesus that has given the man perfect health, right? It's not just Peter's faith in Jesus, it's the faith that comes through Jesus, right? It was Jesus giving faith to Peter in that moment. It was Jesus acting through Peter to heal this man. And so here I think we have an example of what Paul was implying at the beginning of Acts, uh, that what he was writing about was what Jesus was continuing to do, right? That this is not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the risen Christ through his church and by the power of his Holy Spirit. So, you know, even though Peter must have passed this man Many, many times uh, on the way to the temple, something happened on this particular day. Jesus did something. There was a stirring. There was a prompting of the spirits. As, as Peter looked at this man, something happened. Something moved him. And Jesus gave him faith. And he says to him, what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, for a number of years, uh, I was part of a, a team that used to go to Mexico each year and to minister to the churches there. And on one of those trips, uh, a friend of mine called Pete Carter was invited to go with a couple of others up into the mountains to visit the Palme tribe, which is uh, an indigenous tribe right there in the center of Mexico. They, they live up in, in remote villages, in, in mud huts, no running water, electricity, very kind of poor. Uh, and since Pete was a medical doctor, they thought it would be good to have him go and serve the people there. And that was where he met an 18-year-old boy called Otilio. Uh, Otilio was paralyzed in all four limbs and had been that way since he was eight years old, when some other children had beaten him up and thrown rocks at him, leaving him severely brain damaged. And Pete says when he saw him, he was just, you know, such a sorry sight, just skin and bone and sitting on this reed mat. And hopes had been raised in the village when they'd heard a doctor was coming with a team. And so they brought him to Otilio's hut where he was being cared for by his mother. And uh, Pete says he felt quite helpless because he knew that even in the best hospitals in England, the outlook would have been bleak. Right? Medically speaking, there was no hope. But as he sat there next to uh, Otilio, he says something 
stirred within him. He heard God whisper to him, you can pray. And I'll read what he says next in, his, in the book he wrote called Unwrapped Lazarus. He says, I was planning to pray, but an invitation from God himself put a different light on it. I was willing to pray, but was I willing to hope that something was going to happen? In my experience, I'd sometimes prayed out of Christian duty without much hope of change, but here that did not seem an option. So was I willing to risk praying with the expectation of something happening to Ottilio? He then says how he placed his hands on the boy's emaciated body and he asked God, cried out to God to do a miracle. And as he was praying, he says he noticed the boy's limbs visibly relaxed. They kind of went floppy and he knew something was happening. And then again, he felt this whisper from God, lift him out of his bed. So Pete put his arm under him, and he, uh, under his body, and he, he tipped him up so that his feet touched the ground, and then he let him go. And immediately, this boy stood, and he walked. He walked right out of that hut for the first time in 10 years. His muscles and his coordination restored in an instant. Everyone was stunned and in tears at what had happened. And Pete says he will forever remember the huge smile on Ottilio's face. Well, they had a meeting that night in the village to share the message of Jesus and more miracles took place there. And you know, today there are a number of churches there amongst the Palmy because of what Jesus has been doing through Christians like Pete, going and sharing the gospel with them in word and deed. Now, listen, I know uh, that's a rather dramatic story and maybe uh, one that's hard for us to relate to in our own context. But I just wanted to share it really from my own uh, first-hand experience that Jesus is still doing signs and wonders today, just as miraculous as what we see happening there in Acts chapter three. But where does it leave us? Well, Jesus's work is not yet done. The risen Lord Jesus wants to continue his works on earth, bringing his kingdom to people, restoring broken lives, setting people free. Right? All around us, there are people living hopeless, desperate lives. People who are crippled, whether physically or emotionally. People with addictions. Uh, people with uh, life-controlling issues. People who need a miracle. People who need Jesus. And I really do believe that God is calling his church, that's you and I, right, to be reaching out to them. Not just in our meetings, Right? This is not about getting people to come to a meeting. It's about us going to where they are. It's about the people we meet as we're going about our everyday lives, uh, out in the streets, you know, in the marketplace, uh, maybe stepping out of our routine and taking time to minister to someone who God has put in our path. You know, God is shaking up his church in these days so that we're not so dependent on following our plans and programs, but we're more dependent on following a person, Jesus. More dependent on the leading of his spirit. He wants to tune us into his whisper and to his promptings and to give us boldness to reach out a hand to people. As one commentator Put, it's there about Peter, you know, reaching out his hand to help the, the lame man to his feet. He said this, he said, the power was Christ's, 
but the hand was Peter's. Right? People are not going to experience Christ's life and power unless we reach out to them, unless we extend a hand to them. So who might God lead you to this week? Who might you extend a hand to, maybe pray for, that God would come and meet with them? Let me close by just praying what the early church prayed in Acts chapter 4. I said, now Lord, will you enable us, your servants, to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. May God bless you today, and may he use all of us to be a blessing in these days.